Welcome to Covenant Church's Sermon Discussion. This conversation happens most Wednesdays on Facebook Live between me, Michelle Lichty, the Communication Director at Covenant, and the Preaching Pastor from the previous Sunday. If you haven't already, I recommend listening to the sermon before listening to our discussion. Well, good afternoon. I am Michelle Lichty, and I am here today with Rob Iman. Hello, everyone. And we are back after being off a couple of weeks for the holidays. So happy new year. Yay. Yay. Um, So Rob, you preached on Sunday. You started off our new sermon series for the year. Yes, I did. Unfolding Jesus. I love the title for that. Yeah, that's cool. Yes. When I asked David for images, he sent me pictures of papers being folded in different different ways and i was like those are great but i can't find them so i created the graphic that we have (laughs) (laughs) it's a nice graphic origami jesus unfolding (laughs) unfolding jesus so you focused on um so the sermon series actually just to give a little bit of context is about jesus's statements about himself in the book of john in the new testament right Right. so the one the self-revelatory say that 10 times fast, the self-revelatory statement that you focused on is I am the living water or Jesus as the living water. Right. Mm -hmm. And we see that in two different places, right? Right. Right. Yes. John four and John seven. Right. So John four is the story of, is the encounter tells the story of the encounter uh, um, between Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Right. And then John seven is when Jesus stands up at the temple and says, I am the living water. Whoever now I, I don't have it. Come to me and drink. Come to me and drink. Yes. And streams of living water will flow from you. Correct. Correct. Okay. Right. So you started off with um, the Samaritan woman, which I don't, I, I love the context that you gave because every time I read this passage, I have to remind myself, how unusual this encounter really, really is. Yeah, it's really unusual. You know, you don't realize it, but in that culture, in that day, and even in in, uh, Middle Eastern cultures today, it is is, um, forbidden for a man to talk to a woman other than Mm -hmm. his wife. And even not talk, you can't talk to your wife out in public. It's got to be done behind closed doors because there are are, um, thoughts of what might be taking place there. So for Jesus to do this uh, is significant enough that he spoke to this woman. He initiated a conversation that would have blown her out of the water for him to have done this at a well would have been uh, doubly out of context or out of, out of expectation. I mean, where did, where did Isaac find his wife at a well? Where did Jacob (laughs) find his wife at a well? (laughs) Where did Moses end up at a well? Um, so, so there's, there's all kinds of stuff going on here that would say, Jesus, don't open your mouth, but he does. So yeah, there's just a lot going on. here. Yeah. And I also love the contrast that you, um, that you made, or I guess the parallels really that you made between Nicodemus in chapter three Hmm. and the Samaritan woman that Jesus is willing to engage with everyone, no matter who they are. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think I think that the John does that for us because 
there's that there's that one line in uh, in 225 where it says that Jesus did not need a testimony about a man because he knew what was in a man's heart. And then the very next line in chapter three is there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. You know, and so if you're if you're translating from the Greek and you see man, 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 man there was a man. Of, it's, it, it automatically says Jesus knows Nicodemus's heart. And then it goes right on over to chapter four. Jesus knows the Samaritan woman's heart as well. Uh, and that's where we did that, that one, that fun time in verse 16, where he changes the topic. Like, what's he doing? He's letting her know, I know what's going on inside of you um, mm-hmm. because I really am the Messiah. And, and to see those, the, the, to, to, to compare both of those, um, uh, those chapters and those stories really helps us recognize a little bit more about what the author is trying to do. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, it's just so easy for us as we read scripture or, or listen to a sermon or, you know, are in a Bible study. It's just easy for us to take these um, sections in our Bible as, as, as scripture, right? Like, so at the beginning of chapter four in my Bible, it says, Jesus talks with a Samaritan woman, Um, you know, and then and then in chapter four, there's another section at, at verse 27 that says the disciples rejoin Jesus. And it's like, oh, so I'm only supposed to read verses one through 26 together. And then I have to stop and read verse 27. But that's not how John read, wrote the gospel. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And, and when, when you can put things all together and you begin, you begin gathering more details. And as I said on Sunday, look at the details. The details are important. You know, at the Easter Tabernacles, he stood and said in a loud voice, okay, that, there's something there for us to know. And so when the disciples come back and they say, they, they, they ask him why he isn't eating because they brought the food. They went to Subway. They got the, the meal, you know, <laughs> they got care of and he's just, he's just sitting there, you know, and, and, uh, and, and then he says, lift up your eyes for the white with harvest. What was going on at that moment? Hmm. The, the Samaritans were streaming out of the village and they were coming. And the disciples were so focused on why Jesus wasn't eating that they didn't look up and see the fields were white with harvest. And if you look at the few Samaritans that, lived to, that are around today, they wear white often with white hats. Hmm. Gather, and it's like, I wonder if, Anyway, but that was all connected, you know, it, it, it all comes back to the woman at the well and the water and living water and welling up, you know, to eternal life. It's like, wow, mm. um, to, to see it in its context really helps us to understand more of what John was to do. Right. In the context of the, the book of John and also in the cultural context of, yes. of <laughs> the fact that this is a well, the fact that Jesus is willing to share uh water with the Samaritan woman who is unclean. And her vessel is unclean. Yeah. The thing she's pulling water out is unclean. Right. Right. And he's, and he says, no, it's not the person who makes it clean. I make it clean. Mm -hmm. I make, I make people clean and I make vessels clean. I am the Messiah basically. That's what he he said. I am. I'm the one speaking to you as he is. Is he really? You know, and, and that, that one thing, is it with verse 24, somewhere in there, where the father seeks worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Mm. Um, that, I, I just, I find that to be just a fascinating, we're getting, the, we're getting off the topic now about him being living water here. <laughs> what? Well, that's I okay. Mean, that's what, I mean, that's what he was doing. Jesus was seeking to find those worshipers for the father. And this woman is concerned. 
It's Mount Gerizim. That's where we're supposed to worship. You Jews say it's, it's a temple, Mount, Mount Moriah, the temple in Jerusalem. Where are we supposed to worship? It doesn't matter where. The Father is seeking people who are going to worship him in spirit and truth, not at Gerizim, not at Moriah, but wherever they may be 24 7, 365. Will you be one of those? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and it's just, it's just, it's just powerful that it's the living water. It's the Holy Spirit living inside of us. I got it back to the coffin. <laughs> Good for you. I saw that. I saw what you did there. <laughs> when the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, it's like we don't have to go to a location because the Spirit himself resides within us. And, and, and we become holy because mm-hmm. he is here with us. And that water that, you know, uh, quenching the thirst, was it uh, uh, Craig Keener saying that when we come to Christ, we get all we need spiritually. Every mm. bit, you know, uh, Ephesians, um, every spiritual blessing has been given us in the spirit in the heavenly places in Christ, you know, mm-hmm. every one of them, yeah, every mm-hmm. one of them. Our mm-hmm. life is now hidden with Christ in God. Our life. Yeah. Our life mm-hmm. is now hidden with Christ in God. Colossians 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, it's just, so yeah. the living water illustration, it comes from Jesus and it is a living water and it is beautiful. Yes. And, and life sustaining, right? I mean, we can't live without water. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, it just to go back to the woman at the well, and Jesus says, if you knew who I, who I was, who you were speaking to, you would ask, and I would give you living water or, you know, water that doesn't, that's not stopping. And she's like, wait, I, I want some of that. Does that mean I don't have to be? And I'm just, I'm just thinking about her and her context. Like here she is in the heat of the day, getting water all by herself. Like she's basically living on the edges of that village. Like if anybody acknowledges her, it yeah. it's only the person she's living with. Right. Mm-hmm. And and so here's this man who acknowledges her, who she, who she is, and he's offering her this water. And I'm just thinking of her, like thinking of her, of her physical needs, like, ah, that means I won't have to interact with people in the village who hate me, right? Mm-hmm. Like who are rejecting me. If you give me this water, then I can go back into my home and, and be a hermit and, you know, and, wow. and be protected. Yeah. Be protected. Yeah. And you know, so she's thinking of her, of her physical and emotional needs. And Jesus says, no, that's not what you need. Yeah. And then we go to, we go to chapter seven and we see, I mean, it's fascinating that as a Samaritan, she would, she would have only known the Pentateuch. And mm-hmm. so she wouldn't, she would know the law, but not the prophets and the writings. So she would not have known about Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Zechariah. She would not have known about the prophets speaking about the living water that God brings um, the the uh, condemnation of the people of Israel who built their own cisterns. They found their own way. They sought to create their own their own ref- refreshment and resource, but they were broken cisterns, and the water leaked, and they couldn't hold on to it. And they 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 ignored, they denied, they rejected God's living water that was being given to them. And all clearly, clearly, clearly in the Old Testament of the prophets, that living water is the Holy Spirit that's coming to them. And so she, of course, is locked into the physical side of things because she doesn't have that, that, that understanding that there's a physical, there's a spiritual element to living water. And Jesus is so gracious with her mm. uh, to work with her and walk with her along the way to help her understand because she's not getting the Holy Spirit and the water thing. But we'll talk about where we worship and worship in spirit and in truth. And then I'll just tell her that I am the Messiah that, that they're waiting for because they were waiting for a Messiah too. Uh, the Pentateuch does talk about in, in uh, Deuteronomy in particular 
that God would send a prophet like Moses. And that's what the people were looking for. Someone mm. who was going to be the king. And in chapter six in John, we'll see that very same thing because Jesus feeds the people. He'd be the bread of life. He calls himself. It's another one of his self applications but he, um, he feeds the people bread in the wilderness, just like Moses did. And the people mm-hmm. conclude he must be the prophet like Moses, who was, who was said to come. Um, so both Jews and Samaritans were looking for the prophet like Moses. They were looking for the Messiah. They were looking for the king who was going to come and lead them in the way that they, did, they, they were led before. And so the woman is locked into that, frame, that, that framework. And Jesus is leading her into the idea that there is something more going on. here. The spirit mm. is the living water. Um, and how do you do that with someone who's just who hasn't had that background? Well, Jesus has taken her through a different door. Hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, as you were talking about, um, you know, she's locked into the Pentateuch and she doesn't have the context, and and it just made me think about and him leading her through a different door. Like yeah. He does the same for us, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because we are a product of our culture. Mm-hmm. And God and God's culture, I mean, to put air quotes around it, but God's way is not the Western way. It's not the Eastern way. It's not, you know, the American way. It's not the Canadian way. It's not the, you know, the Russian way. It's not, it's not any way that is recognizable to any culture on this earth. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up, um, Michelle. It's uh, he will meet us wherever we might be and however we might be. And uh, uh, he builds bridges to our cultures. And I know I was talking with somebody about, you know, the younger generation. I listen to the younger generation. Um, <laughs> I won't say names, but there are certain people in my family who just spend their life on their phone and just checking things out and doing things on that phone. And it's like, I just don't get that. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jesus gets it. And Jesus meets people where they are, whether they are a Samaritan woman uh, at a well who doesn't understand what the living water means, or whether it's a young uh, adult staring at the phone who has been so enculturated by Western culture that they are oblivious of the cultural uh, implications of the Feast of Tabernacles. We don't need that to come to Christ. Mm. It's helpful. It's beautiful Mm -hmm. to see it. It brings an impact. But Jesus doesn't need that to reach us. He'll find a way. He'll find a doorway that meets us. Meets us. Mm. Yes, he will. Don Richardson uh, wrote a book called Eternity in Their Hearts years and years ago. Mm. Years yeah. ago maybe what, 1960s, 1970s, something like that. Um, and uh, he talked about God building bridges to different cultures and how those bridges are automatically, that by God's design and his sovereignty, he has built bridges into each culture in this world a bridge that allows people to understand the gospel in a clear way. And mm. he, as a missionary, he talked about the different unreached people's groups that he has seen and he's heard of. And he talked about the different bridges that have been found in their end. And it just made me think about how Samaritan woman, there's a bridge. Uh, right. Me, there was a bridge. You, there's right. a bridge. Right. Uh, the, the, the person who is just seems like unreachable because of their cultural background or whatever group they've gotten involved with, there's a bridge. Mm. God's already placed there for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, I, that's just really profound if we stop to think about it, right? Like, and freeing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and freeing. I was reading a devotion this morning about um, 
about Jesus coming to earth um, as a baby. And he, the, the person writing the devotion was referencing Philippians two, where it talks about um, Jesus who was a very nature. God did not consider equality with God to be grasped and emptied himself or um, made himself nothing and came to earth. And he talked about the spiritual, like spiritual weight, like gravity, physical, we have, we deal with physical gravity. We live in physical gravity. Like we Mm. hardly notice it. And he said, he was saying, I wonder if like, I'm wondering if it it seems like Jesus would have a spiritual gravity, like Mm. force, um, that he needed to empty himself of that in order to Mm. come to earth so mm. that we could approach him. Otherwise, mm. you know, it, he would be too brilliant or too weighty, like that we would be sucked in or, or scorched like the sun, right? Like yeah, either the sun or the black thought. hole. And I was like, I was, I've just been, I've been mesmerized by that idea yeah. all day, like just thinking about it and, and reminded of the phrase, and I can't pull up the scripture, but the weight of his glory. And, you know, just the fact that he would do that, that he would empty himself of that kind of, of gravity or force would just, just to be, in order to be approachable is. Yeah. Mysterious, isn't it? It is. It's yeah. mysterious. And it, it, it just, yeah, it just makes me want to worship. Veiled in flesh, veiled in flesh. You you think about the Mount of Transfiguration and how he unveiled for a moment what happened therein. You know, you think about um, after the resurrection and what he was able to do. Uh, I never thought about the the spiritual gravity before, Michelle. That's really cool. I mean, that's he is so much different than us. Mm -hmm. He is so. I mean, my ways are not your ways. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, There was something else I was thinking of just now that. that just just stuns me. Oh, so so when the, when the disciples said in John six, after about five thousand people walk away from Jesus, they oh, say, right. "Lord," we're, and he says, "What are you going? Are you going to leave me too?" And Peter says, "Where else can we go, Lord? You have the words of eternal life." That's the kind of conviction that I want to see go in my own life. Mm. That's the kind of conviction that I'm hoping this sermon series is going to bring in all of us. I can tell you the person that's blessed most deeply is the one who's given the sermon. Um, mm-hmm. My time with Jesus as living water, my time in the cultural context of understanding Samaritans and Jewish relationship and the Feast of Tabernacles, my imagination of, of watching an entire courtyard, huge courtyard of people seated and the silence as the water is being, being poured out and the scriptures have been read. And then suddenly one lone figure stands up amidst thousands and shouts at a loud voice. Everybody can look at, oh, that's the Nazarene who's speaking now. Hmm. And says at a loud voice, the very words you have been speaking and singing and listening to and praying about have been fulfilled in me right now in your presence. It's like, whoa, just what you're saying, the gravity, the, the power, where else can we go? This is real. This is not made up. John didn't say, mm-hmm. how, can I, how can I deify this Jesus? Now, John says, I got to make sure these stories are told. 
because the other three gospels that are out there, and I believe there was a Hebrew gospel as well. It's very clear there was one. I'd love to find that someday. But uh, um, that that John wanted to make sure that the stories that had not yet been told had been told, and so the beloved mm. disciple put them down. Yeah. But I, I just, I just, I just, that, you know, the, the unfolding Jesus, the self-revelatory statements of Christ. I pray that it that it opens my eyes more so to who He is. It's like mm-hmm. wow, powerful stuff. Yeah, and you know, I'm just I'm trying to remember when it was what what the context was, but I've just been thinking a lot about our conversation that we had. I don't know, probably a year ago or more, um, about or maybe it was last year about God's love, hmm. and. And I, what I'm remembering is I said something about, you know, there's a, something about, you know, God uses our anger in order for us to act. And you said, no, like Mm, we need to act out of love and, and be living in God's love. Mm. And I, I've been reading a series um, for middle, a middle grade series about it's a science fiction series, but it's been focused on fear and love, like the conflict Mm. and that there really is no conflict between fear and love because Mm. perfect love cats out fear. fear. Mm -hmm. And that's, so I've just been marinating in that idea as well. And so it's like, Mm. when I'm thinking about this living water and, and, and God and Jesus is love Mm. And how he provides so deeply, like if we drink of that water, then we won't just know God's love in our heads. We will also know God's love in our hearts mm. in a way that is transformational. Experience it. Experience yes. it. Because that that is what changes us. Yeah, we can know it. Yeah, we can have an act of the will, but it's the experience of God's love in the midst of whatever we're going through that makes the difference. Yeah. And yeah. living water is a picture that welling up to eternal life. You know, you got this, this well that's a hundred feet deep. It just wells up and wells up and wells up and spills out over. So there's no more, you know, dropping your bucket down and pulling it back up. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's just there. It's just present. It's just flowing out of you. And um, I, I, I made a very uh, small comment because you can't touch every topic that comes up on these things in one sermon about how many times we have the living water in us um, and we're looking for the very thing that we already possess Mm. because there's something in our life that is quenching or grieving the Holy Spirit that's damming up that living water that's keeping that water from flowing so that the joy is not felt the love is not experienced Mm. you know we wonder where God is in the midst of it and He's longing for us to recognize those areas where we are, uh, where we are bucking him, where we're pushing back against him, where we're not surrendering to the love. I mean, David Benner has a book called Surrender to Love that I think is just profoundly beautiful in how he, how he presents this. Um, but it's just, it's all tied together. It's all tied together. And living water is, uh, is the first, if you think of living in a desert where there aren't many places where water can flow, living water, it speaks very clearly. Oh, Absolutely. It does. Yeah. And the question you asked at the end is, am I willing to engage with Jesus Mm. or am I distracted by my physical needs or by the press of time or by worry? 
the things I, I worry. About. Yeah. 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 And that's, I think, I think we all fall into that, don't we? Um, mm-hmm. I, I go back to that woman again. I love narratives, the narrative portions of scripture, because it, it allows me to use um, sanctified imagination, you know, mm-hmm. to climb into mm-hmm. that moment and to mm-hmm. try to relive that moment. What if I were somebody watching what was taking place at that well at that time, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and to climb back in and to think about how the woman could have totally blown Jesus off. Oh, um, yeah. You know, she could have come. She has got all kinds of issues. She's got problems at home. And here's this Jewish guy. And she's not allowed to talk to him. And he's talking to her forget you, Bob. I mean, you'd have, you've, you've got it so easy. I'm not even going to talk to you. You know, she just goes about her business, but she engaged Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that's all Jesus needed was to see if she would just keep him, even though she didn't, she did not understand she engaged him. And so it just was a, that was just a word picture to me, you know, mm-hmm. Rob, keep engaging the Lord, even when you don't understand, even when mm-hmm. it's getting hard, even when you don't get it, mm-hmm. even when you feel like uh, the, the, the situation should be different. If God loved you, it would really be different. You know? Keep engaging. Tell them that. See what happens. Yeah. Yeah. He's not going to walk away from you. He's not. No. He's not. <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. Well, thank you, Rob. Any last thoughts or? I think that last one's the last one. <laughs> I, I kind of thought so too, but I thought I'd ask. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining me today, Rob. Uh, Michelle, thank you for, uh, for, for hosting this every week. I do appreciate it. <laughs> well, it's my joy and privilege. It is. Um, and thank you to our audience for joining us, whether you've joined us on Facebook Live or whether you've joined us on the podcast or on our blog. We are so glad that you took the time out today to, to join us in this discussion. And please leave comments on Facebook or on our blog. I'm happy to. I look at all of those and I'm happy to comment or try to get answers to questions if you have those. Um, all right. Thank you right. again. And we will... See you next week. Obligatory wave. (laughs) Bye. Bye.